Hey, well, so good to be in church today. My name is Scotty Haynes, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, our senior pastor is out of town today, and so I have the, the blessing and the honor to be able to preach. And, um, and so I'm excited about this morning. Listen, if you're new with us, we want to thank you for being here with us. It is a big deal. And also for all the rest of us, you're like, hey, how about me? I come every Sunday. Well, we're glad that you're here as well. But if you're new with us, we would just like to take the opportunity to connect with you. And here's how we do that. We just ask that you would get your phones out and you would text next one to the number 49090. I hope I got that right. I did. No? 940. That's what I said. 94090. I was just seeing if you were paying attention this morning. So 94090, text next one, and it'll just give you instructions, and someone's going to connect with you. We're not going to harass you or, or anything like that, but we do just want to have a connection and uh, for us to be able to say thank you, and then also you have a connection with someone here in case you have questions about the church. Again, we're so excited that you would be here with us on this Sunday, whether you're in person or whether you're watching online. We are glad that you are here. Hey, we like to do this here as we get into God's Word. If you would, would you stand to your feet this morning? And we're going to read the Word together. And I have just, we're going to have Scripture throughout, but a Scripture I want to focus on this morning is Romans 10, 17. And you can look at it in your Bible, on your device, or you can follow right here on the screen. Romans 10, 17. And if you would, let's read this together. Consequently, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word about Christ. It's powerful. Simple, but powerful. We're in the, the series Storyteller. We started last week, and our senior pastor preached an amazing message called The Power of Your Story, and I would encourage you to go, go, go watch that on YouTube or on Facebook. And uh, your story is powerful. Amen? You may not see it that way. But as I was watching what Cedric shared with us and thinking about how powerful his story is, yours may look different, but it's still powerful. It can still be used for God's glory, and it should be used for God's glory. And, and, and I want you to hear that from me, but I want it to settle into your spirit because often we hear this, but what we, we don't, it doesn't actually change in our mind and we don't actually see it that way. And if we're ever to live the story out that God has for us, we have to see with the right perspective. And so today as, we're, as we go into the second week of this, I'm actually titling the message, The Lens of Your Story. We have the power of your story, now I want to talk about the lens of your story. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your spirit that is in this place that dwells with us, God. We don't just need a word conjured up from self, but one from the Holy Spirit. And I pray that our hearts would be open and that our minds would be open to receive from Your Word today. And God, I pray that You would just speak through me. We love You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat if you would this morning. On this spring break, uh, set the clocks forward, the one that none of us like. I know that some of you didn't set your clock forward. You're like, it's me. And then you wipe the sleep out of your eyes. Is there any coffee available in the back outside the, in the lobby? Go get your coffee. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm getting older and I've noticed that with getting older, 
my eyesight is changing. And it's funny because like I I have trouble seeing far away. And so uh if and Shelly has the she's the opposite of me. So like just the other morning we were laying there in, in bed and she was looking at something on her phone and she was like, Look at this. And I was like, babe, I can't see a thing. It's nothing but blurriness. And she's like, Well, here, I said, hold it closer. And so she held it, she held it closer, and she goes, well, now I can't see it. And so, because she's like this, you know what I'm talking about? And then I am at times, it's so, I'm like, I have contacts, and I'm like, aren't the contacts supposed to correct my vision? They help me here, but when I have my contacts in, I can't see anything here. And so my, the eye doctor's like, well, you might want to get readers. I was like, I got contacts, and I should get readers. This makes no sense. Does anyone feel my pain this morning? But I've figured out that if I don't have some clarity when I see things, I get things messed up, or I don't see what's really there. And, and you know, I, wanna, I want us to understand that if we are to write our right story, then we have to see right. If we are to write the right story, then we have to see right. We have to have correct vision. And this morning I want to read uh, an account that I think is so awesome. I just love this account in the book of Numbers. You're like, oh, Old Testament. That's right, Old Testament, OT. We're going Old Testament here. In the book of Numbers, I love the, this account that we see of two different sets of people that have, they see things way differently. And if you go into Numbers 13, you see that this is the Israelites, and, and when you read the Old Testament, it continually refers to the Israelites as God's people. And so if you're kind of new to Christianity, you don't really, or you're, maybe you're not a Christian, you're here, we're so glad that you are here, but you, so you may not understand that when Jesus came, uh, he, he changed things so that now we can all be God's people. Whether we're Jew of the Jewish faith or not, or whether we're of, a, of the Jewish descent, we can now all be God's people. But in the Old Testament, this was God's people, and you probably have heard about Moses or at least seen Charlton Heston play Moses, and you're like, that's very old. I know it is, but or the Prince of Egypt, maybe that's the most current one. And they, the Israelites had been brought out of out of Egypt, and they had been promised to go to the promised land. And the promised land is what they were looking forward to. This is what they had their mindset on. Now, they still had a lot of issues and a lot of stuff going on, but God had promised them they were going to the promised land. And the way that the Bible describes it, the promised land is the land flowing with milk and honey. Now you're like, hey, Pastor Scotty, I don't get that. I'm lactose intolerant. I wouldn't even like the promised land. But the problem, I'm thinking more like the land flowing with steak and taters. You know what I'm saying? The land flowing with uh, lobster mac and cheese or something like that. I don't know. But you get the point. This was a rich, abundant land that we're going to get to go to. And so the, the, this is their promise. And so they have been on the journey to there, which some scholars believe that it, it was, uh, honestly, if you just went straight through and did it, it was like an 11-day journey. But the children of Israel were stubborn, so they had to roam around in the wilderness. And they had been there for about two years at this point. And in Numbers 13, we see Moses gathers 12 spies, and he gets them together, and he says, I want you to go into the promised land where God has given us. And he said, I want you to look for some things. I want you to look for, is the land abundant? How would things grow? What's the fruit like? He gives them these, these instructions. What are the people like? What are the cities like? And he wants them to scout this out. So he sends them. The spies go out. They, they go out into the land and they, they're gone for 40 days. And, they, 
I read that they covered like 150 miles. And I mean, they looked the land inside and out. They got some of the fruit of the land, a big cluster of grapes that was so big that it took two people to carry it. And, and, and they, they did their work. And they come back to share their report. And I would think that, that there was excitement in the camp. I mean, this is the promised land you're going to get to go to. And now they're coming back. I mean, the anticipation I'm sure would have been, I wonder what they found. I wonder what is, what's the, the promised land is like. I can't wait to go to that. So the people gather together as the, the spies come back and they come in here. And this is where I want to bring us to in Numbers 13. And I'm going to read verses 26 through 33. As they come back and they give this report. Numbers 13, 26 through 33. And here's the report they, they gave. It says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported it to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And then they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. I just imagine, I'll try to put my mind in there. It does, hold on, flow with milk and honey. I mean, you know, like the Part, I mean, you know what I'm saying? They're like, it does flow with milk and honey. It is true. Look at that cluster of grapes. It's so big. Woo! And then they say, but. I don't like butts. Big butts, especially. This big butt is a big butt. Amen? You're like, that doesn't sound very holy. It is here. Read it. But. The people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very and are fortified and very large. We have even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So they tell all these good things, but then of course they have to say, but hold on, stop getting too excited. Can I just, just rabbit trail for just a minute? Doesn't it frustrate you for the people that always have to be the realist when you're trying to dream a little bit? Oh yeah, man, let me tell you, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Hold on now. Hold on now, don't get too excited. Why not? Let me live a little bit before you try to squash my dreams. And that's what's happening here. I mean, I think the people are getting excited hearing what's happening, but then they're like, but hold on. But then it says, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him, they chimed back in and said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Which is interesting because there were still people living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. That's what it tells us here. And then it says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Ah, so frustrating. Jump over to Numbers chapter 14 and I want to read verses 7-9. through 9. The people are still grumbling, believing the report, that the bad report that had been given. 
and they were talking about how great Egypt was again. They were ready to stone the people, the uh, Moses and the and and the other guys. And and here's what is said again by Caleb, and he said to the entire Israelite assembly, "The land we pass through and explored is exceedingly good. But if the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Two different views at work here. People seeing things two different ways. I mean, one group here, some saw problems while others saw potential. Some saw giants while others saw themselves as giant killers. Amen? Some saw and believed that the land would devour them while Caleb said, no, 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 we will devour the land. We will devour the people that are there. Some saw themselves as small while others still saw their God as big. Because we see some people here thinking in the natural while others saw by faith. Correct vision requires faith. Which requires the Word. You can't see right as a Christian if you're not living by faith and you're not going to live by faith if you're not in the Word. I don't know anyone in here and how much time you're spending in the Word. I'm not watching and trying to keep a log on you. So this isn't pointed to any certain person. It's pointed to us as Christians. I'm just stating that you, the faith is growing as we dig into the Word of God. The Scripture we shared at the very beginning, beginning Romans 10.17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the Word about Christ. Hebrews reminds us that the Word is not just this antiquated book that should be put on a shelf. It actually says it's alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's doing work and it's moving and it's changing us. As we get into the Word, it actually works and builds our faith and lifts us up and encourages us. And when our faith is growing and when our faith is being Produced by the Word of God, we see things differently. We should see things differently than those that don't know Christ. We should have a different attitude than non-believers. We should live victorious even though we might have difficult circumstances if we're following Jesus. I'm saying it because I want us to understand when things come up that are contrary to these things, We recognize them. See, when our faith is growing, we see things differently. I love Hebrews 11.1 in the Amplified. It says, now faith is the assurance or the title, the deed, the confirmation of things hoped for or those things that are divinely guaranteed. And the evidence of things not seen. And I like what it says here. The conviction of the reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. I want us to remember today that our flesh will lie to us. 
Our physical senses will lie to us. It will cause us to believe things that we, that, that, or exaggerate things. There were big people in the land that they were going to. There were giants in the land that they were going to. But the extremity of saying that I am like a grasshopper compared to them shows that their senses were lying to them because all they could do is see and then that, that sight began to produce fear. They said it devours the people in the land. Well, obviously there were people still in the land, so that's not true because when you begin to see things through your flesh, you are limited only to your flesh. So then when you see that and you begin to interpret your story through only what you can see, feel, touch, hear, taste, when you, that's how your story is built, then you're so limited. So literally you think, well, man, my past was so bad. How can God ever change me and help me with my future? You literally begin to think, man, no one's going to benefit from my story. I could never share my story. Because you're only seeing in the natural. God may be stirring in your heart a dream that's bigger than what you think you can do. Because He doesn't just do that for pastors or singers. He does that for all of us that would say we've surrendered our life to Him. But when we think in the flesh, we're like, man, that, I just don't see how that could ever happen. I don't have the funds in front of me. I don't have the connections in front of me. I don't have these things. And so that's how we think. But when we start to think by faith and live by faith, that is built upon the Word of God, we start understanding that when we surrender our life to Jesus, we're actually stepping into a supernatural story. Can I tell you, we still serve a supernatural God? He's still a miracle worker. He still sets the captive free. And what He's did throughout all of history, He can do today and He wants to do today. Amen? When we start thinking that way, then we start seeing God as bigger than anything else. So like we can say, our past was really bad. I really screwed up over and over and over again. But my God is bigger than my past. And what He has before me is better than what I went through behind me. And so I still trust God. I can't see the details yet. But I know He can do it. When we step out in faith and believe, then we begin to understand it's like, you know what? I don't know who, but I know someone can benefit from my story. It may be different than theirs, but when they hear it, it can bring transformation. And it tells us in Revelation, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Oh, my testimony's not that good, Pastor Scotty. It's like, you know, it's, I, I've been, I haven't really done much. What an awesome testimony of how God has saved you for making those mistakes in your life. Oh, my testimony is too bad. I've done all these bad things. Well, thank God that what the enemy meant for harm, God has turned for good. And when you believe in faith, and you have that perspective, it changes how you believe. So then when God stirs in your heart a dream, you can say, I don't have the finances, but I know God can resource it. I don't really have the connections, but thank God for God appointments that He's going to bring into my life. And we begin to walk by faith because God is writing a story for every single one of us. And we understand that faith comes by the Word of God. So I want us to see our story through the lens of the Word. I think as Christians, it's the only way that we can do it. It's through the lens of the Word of God. It is the story about Jesus Christ. And so I have three points this morning. 
about the lens that we need to use. You know, I don't know if, you, if we have any photographers in the room. I know we have a few. And I know good photographers and good videographers are hard to come by. We, uh, we had a church before we came here, and, and I, I did uh, videos and uh, camera work, and it's not in my gifting. But you know, you find out that you're, I like it when you ask me, hey, do you mind stacking chairs? This is really not my gifting mix. Oh, so you're lazy. <laughs> okay. No, just kidding. If, you're, if that's you, no, I didn't ask anybody that this morning. Would that be horrible? Somebody stomps out. Okay, anyway, sorry, I just went rabbit trail. I was thinking about other times in other churches, not here. But, uh, you know, when it, there's a lot to it, honestly, in the way you do photography and these things. And I, and I think about people that are good at it. And we have. A, a nice camera up here, and we have this lens. And, and I have found that the lens you use makes all the difference. There's some things you just can't do or, or pictures you can't get without the correct lens. And that's why we have to see things through the lens of the Word. So point number one is if you want to see things clearly and according to the Word, you might need to get a new lens. Because you'll find out that there are some things and some pictures you want to take that you just can't get with the current lens that you have. You need a new lens so you can get the perspective of what you're supposed to have because some shots only come with the new lens. And can I tell you today, there's only one lens in which I believe that we're to live our life through, and that's through the lens of Jesus Christ. I don't think you'll ever reach your potential. I don't think you'll ever reach your eternal potential without surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible lets us know that when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, that the old is gone and the new has come. So our perspective is changed. Literally, a supernatural work takes place in us. We are redeemed and we are set free. And now we have a new standing with God. How powerful is that? I think we forget that the greatest supernatural miracle that takes place is the one of salvation. Where literally the old man is gone and the new has come. I think at times we that are Christians and have lived our life as Christians, we often forget that. That's why every time we take communion, let your mind go back. Even if you, don't, even if you were saved young and you haven't done a lot of things, it's still remembering, wow, supernaturally Jesus changed my eternal destiny. And it's through the Word because John 1, 1 tells us in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. See, the whole Bible is about Jesus. From the Old Testament to the Gospels to, to afterward in the New Testament we see the Acts and, and the letters and the epistles. Listen, it's all about Jesus. And maybe you're in here today or maybe you're watching online and you're like, well, I'm not sure that I need a new lens, Pastor Scotty. We, I mean, I'm a pretty good person. I've done this, and I've done that, and I feel like I help people, and I do these things, and I'm so glad that you're a good person. That's awesome. But can I tell you, we are all born with the wrong lens. Every one of us are born with the wrong lens. We're born with the lens of sin. Sin corrupts and distorts our vision. And the Bible tells us that sin leads to death. 
But only through the lens of Jesus Christ can we be changed and transformed that even if we die in this world, we still have an eternal destiny. And I want you to know that the story that God has for every person, He wants it to be one of life. But we have to see through the lens of Jesus Christ. You have to take the old lens of sin off and put on the new lens of life. And the great thing is that when we do that, it's not the, it's not the culmination. It's the beginning. When we get that new lens, now we get to start living. Amen? Now we get to start being all that God would have us to be. Now we see things with a different perspective. So I want to tell you, get a new lens. Number two, clean your lens. Have you ever, have you ever sat across from somebody that's got glasses on and their glasses are filthy? I am a little like, ah. I mean like I see that and I just want to be like, but it's still in their face, you know what I mean? Like, or let me have those. I mean, I'm like, those things have been cleaned in a minute. Come on, how can you even see? OCD coming out just a little bit. You know, hey, would you do something with your glasses? Please. We have to clean our lens. Now, if you have a, if you have a lens uh, on a camera, I want you to understand that these things aren't cheap. They're expensive. And... And when you go to clean them, you want to treat them right. Because even the best lenses get spots on them and they get dirty. And when they get spots and they get dirty on them, it, it changes the way you see things. There's a reason that Paul, that Paul talks about renewing our mind. We're like, well, if we're a Christian and we're a new creation, why renewing? Because we still live in this world. We still encounter things that are not in line with what God would have for us. We still get cloudy at times. But that's why we need to continue to clean our lens. Because it distorts the way you see. Now I want to tell you that if you borrow someone's camera lens like this, and you grab a paper towel and you start to clean this thing, they're probably going to uh, not be nice to you. That's the best way I could say it. They're not going to bless you. <laughs> bless you in the name of Jesus. No. Because why? Because that lit, if you use the wrong cloth, it scratches it up. It, it'll, it'll mess up what you're supposed to do. And I wonder, have we been trying to clean our life of faith with the cloth of culture? Oh, this might not be popular this morning, but can I tell you that when you're dealing with something and you, you're losing sight of who you are in Christ, the place to go is not social media. You're like, oh, but I follow some really good preachers on there. That's awesome, but you go past 400 people that are horrible to get to the one preacher. You need to repent if you didn't before by the time you go through social media. Because you're already mad at everybody in the world that politically believes different than you. You're already mad at everybody and, and, and you're just like so frustrated. And then you come to that, oh, thank God for that Scripture. I know social media can be good, but let's be real. Let's be real. And so what we're trying to use to clean our mind and renew our mind so often is other things than the Word of God. I'm just going to be straight up. If you're having issues and dealing with things, and the first people you run to are not those that love Jesus, but you go to people that don't even know who Christ is, you've got a problem there. 
And I'm not saying you got a problem like there's something wrong with you. I'm saying there's a problem because they are not going to give you direction from the lens of the Word of God. They're going to give you direction from their own self, their own mind, and the people around them. And I'm telling you what, when i got an issue, I need some God-inspired thinking. So I'm going to go to other people that have the Word. I'm going to dig into the Word myself because it is the cloth that we use to renew our mind. Romans 12.2 tells us, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you will be able to write your story the way that it's supposed to be written. Then you'll be able to see the way that God is leading you. Then you'll be able to know, God, this is the direction that I should go. And what I love about it is when you're renewed with the Word of God, when things pop up that aren't in line with the Word, Man, just something that set the end use like that spot shouldn't be there. This isn't, hold on a second, this isn't right. It doesn't strike me as correct. Why? Because you're renewing your mind and you're cleaning your lens. Number three, connect with other lens users. I really can't think of a creative way to say that, but just connect with other lens users, other people that know what they're doing with that lens. Small groups are a great way to do that. I mean, you're like, oh, you're plugging small groups. Yes, I am. They've been a part of Shelly and I's life since we've been married, and they have meant a lot to us. And it's a, it's a group of people that are usually going the same direction. Have you looked at, if you're on Facebook, have you looked at the Facebook groups that are out there? Listen, I looked up like some of the weirdest Facebook groups out there. I won't share all of them with you, but... You know what I'm saying. It's a little kooky. But there's one that's for people that just enjoy cleaning public toilets. I should, I, we should follow that group and let them know some restaurants that we know about, right? You're like, hey, you go here. You can clean that up for us. Uh, some that just like to look at funny pictures of goats. Just smiling goats. Make your day good. Uh, some find rude and weird license plates. You know, there's literally everything on there. But I have seen people that are good at photography and stuff like that. They know. And they stick together and they talk about things. And they, as they talk about things, they're like, well, I didn't know you could do that with that. That's interesting. And they, they have all this knowledge that they share with one another. Why do you think God says, do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves? Because He knows that when we come together with people that have the same biblical lens, then we begin to stir one another up, right? We begin to sharpen our sight. We begin to see. You're like, oh man, what? You're telling me God came through for you on that? It encourages you. You're like, if God did it for you, I know He can do it for me. You get together and not only talk your stories, but you start talking about the Bible that is our heritage. And you begin to see what God did in the Bible. It's not just some make-believe nursery rhyme, but it's the truth. It's the Word of God for us today. And you start saying, man, look at what God did. He used people from ordinary life to do extraordinary things. If He did that for them, He can do it for me. My story is not done. That's the power of when you come together with others that have the lens of the Word. We see story after story after story of people being used by God in mighty ways. You know as you we were talking this morning in School of the Bible, and we were talking about 
John the Baptist and how just odd he was if you would have been in that day. God used him. So I don't know how odd you think you are. I don't know how, maybe you're the opposite side and how cool you think you are, but thank God that God sees us all and will use us all and minister through us all. So remember, you may need to get a new lens. We for sure need to clean our lens and we need to connect with other people that use the same lens as the Word of God. To close this morning, I want to share something with you out of Exodus chapter 33. In the 33rd chapter of Exodus, we read about something called the tent of meeting. And in the tent of meeting, Moses would set this tent outside of the camp. And he set this up, and this is where he'd go to meet with God, and he would go to talk to God. And, and so he would walk to the tent, and when he walked to the tent, the people would come to the, to the opening of their tent and watch Moses go to the tent and go into the tent. And when he was there meeting with God, a, a pillar, a cloud, a pillar of a cloud would come and set on top of the tent and they would know they could go there also with issues, but they would even begin to worship God in the opening of their tents, and Moses would go there, and he would meet with God there. And God would talk to him. And I want to read this to you, Exodus 33, 11. Exodus 33, 11. It says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But catch this. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones that gave a good report. They saw things correctly. And I truly believe that one of the reasons is because Joshua was full of the Word of God. He stayed in the tent. He got to be there when Moses, the Word of God was being exchanged with Moses. He surrounded himself with the Word. He, he was there 24-7. And I believe that's what shaped his story. And that's what shaped the way that he would think. And if you go and read about Joshua, you'll see that Joshua ended up leading the people into the promised land. And thank God that we have Jesus. Jesus came so that we could be set free from sin, so that we could be connected to our Father. And He is actually leading us into a promised land. A promised land where we get to live life with Him right, right here on earth, but then also we have a heavenly home that we get to go to. See, the, the reason the Word is powerful is not just because it's the Word, but it's because it points to our Savior. The whole book is the story of Jesus Christ and God and how much they loved us and made a way for us. And when you're full of the Word of God and your story begins to come out of the Word of God, it'll be more powerful than anything we could write in ourselves. It'll be God moving through us. I just would say today, we have to have the lens of the Word of God. Let's pray this morning. Father, we...